I see that Scott is recording. Actual recording is higher quality. I see Paul mm -hmm. has the red dot, and I have the red dot. So I believe we are recording. And we will. And I... We should probably all keep an eye on this uh, during the course of the pod. Yes. Okay. I'll Doesn't check have to, back in as stare I at the, Yeah, yep. not stare at the screen sort of shit the whole time, but, you know, periodic check-ins. I'm going to move... I mean, I'm, I'm going to do that thing since I have a computer in the 21st century and split my windows up so I can see things that I need to see without having to, uh, you know, give up space. Okay. This looks good. All right. So this is good. We are, what, 30 seconds in? Okay. So here we go. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, a podcast that is, by all indications, fully recording at the beginning of the show. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. Oh, dear. The panic. <laughs> the panic. I'm Paul. That was the perfect amount of time, Scott. Yep. Well done. <laughs> that was that All was three great. hosts, mics currently functioning and recording <laughs> on the software. And is there anyone else on the podcast who'd like to say their name? I, d I didn't say my name. <laughs> oh, okay. Paul. But you know I what? I feel busy. like we've peaked we, at we this point. I should... was busy guffawing over Scott's... Uh, well played right we should probably just I, pat ourselves on the back pot you know good episode and then log yeah, off pot over yeah, yeah. um yeah. well speaking of things that started <laughs> out well enough and then kareen slowly into a ditch of hate and upset and resent uh the bills <laughs> lost a game to the minnesota vikings 33 to 30 uh i fully expect paul and scott to <laughs> rip some new ones here um i know folks are expecting me to sort of cheery on and, and cheery up uh, i mean I'll, I'll lay it out i go I, there's no way i look i took a couple days to not look at twitter to honestly not respond to scott and paul because this game upset me like i i realized the emotion was bad <laughs> and it got to me bad and it hurt bad um and it's funny because i will i i, I will start today um at least paint the picture that i feel like just on Friday, we were probably mostly thinking, gosh, if Josh Allen's elbow is just okay, that's all I need for the season. And if Case Keenum has to start this game, well, at least it's against the NFC Vikings, and like it won't be good if they don't win, but there was probably a quiet level of resignedness to, all right, this game could be weird. And then Allen plays... Um, we will discuss the varying levels of how we thought he played um, throughout the course of the game, throughout the course of this discussion here. Um, and it quickly went from, uh, to, all right, we got this one in the bag, to, I can't believe they lost that, to, I can't believe they're still in it, to, how are they still in it? Did they lose it? Did they win it? We lost it. Um, <laughs> and the roller coaster. This is, of course, about an hour, I would say, the, where all of that happens. Yes, yeah. it, it it was kind of the Chiefs game in that way. Like, emotionally, I probably haven't been that invested in, in a Bills game since then. Um, since last year's, or, or January's Chief game, I should say. Um, it, it was a remarkable game. Um, I saw the meme with Michael Scott saying, I don't know if you remember that joke, where he goes, oh, inside jokes. I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one someday. Except they had changed it to... <laughs> Uh, games of the year. Yeah, I love games of the year. I'd love to win one, actually, um, <laughs> yes. for the Bills. And I, I, I definitely understand that feeling. Um, I think, you know, it's hard to look at, like, the 8-1 and one Vikings. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's some level where we're all – where we should be saying, like, yeah, they played a good team and they lost. But I don't think anybody thinks that. I think everybody thinks they absolutely <laughs> fucked this game up. And they certainly did. Um, and the, the people who can explain that better, you are, are Scott and Paul. Um, I, I'm not going to try and convince them that they're wrong. I want you guys to know that now, like, that's not what my tone is. My tone is going, is going to be trying to salvage what I can out of this game. Um, and maybe dampen what I, you know, the, the Sturm and Drong, which I don't know will come from you guys directly. Um, but why don't we we usually start with Scott on these games? So I feel like we should start with Paul and let and let sure. Scott finish here. Right. Um, because, yeah. So you, go ahead and um, I've presented myself for the gauntlet and I'm I'm here to take my beating. I suppose. 
You did. I feel like the best decision we've made is to podcast on Friday this week. Yeah, I, 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 we might not be friends if I had to podcast on Monday, <laughs> and that's like a terrible thing to say. And it would have been nothing. Would have not been your fault. I just was in that bad of a mood Monday that like I can't imagine I would have been remotely reasonable about this podcast. Yeah, um, this this was a very emotional game, and to give uh, you know listeners an idea of during the third quarter when we were all we were all messaging at one point that. Well, I hope they can, you know, get the other touchdown or a field goal here to put this in the bag because I was thinking I could take a walk in the afternoon. You know, we're all kind of planning. The Bills could just get that one more score where Josh could hit the bench and we would relax and then things went askew. I think, and Frank hit on some excellent points about how, you know, it's a game that going in, if you tell us a couple days before, the Bills are going to lose to the Vikings. I feel all of us have been like, nah, that's that's unfortunate. I wish that had not happened, that, that wasn't going to happen but it's not the biggest deal. You both had picked the Vikings to, to win. I'd pick the Bills to win, but certainly acknowledge the Vikings were you know, able to win this game. But when the game unfolds the way that it did and the issues we've seen, it's especially frustrating. I, I'm not going to be mad at the Bills or the Bills defense for letting the Vikings back into a game when the Bills were up 27 to 10. I would have been perfectly like, phew, we pulled out a 27-24 or 27-20 win or a 30-27 win would have been completely okay with those things. Vikings have all season found themselves out, seemingly out of games, worked their way back in, and won. The things that bug me is all of the, the fourth and 18, uh, or whatever it was, on Jefferson. Great catch, Justin Jefferson. You want to take that catch away from Jefferson, you, you can't. That was just phenomenal play. But it goes back to giving up the fourth and 13 during the drought year in 2003 of the Jags and then them throwing a 13-yard touchdown as time expires uh, on a great catch in the back of the end zone to end the game because in that situation it was Nate Clements not knocking the ball down, which, you know, certainly uh, Cam Lewis had the opportunity to do. Uh, he had, you know, had positioned himself well against Jefferson and there was a chance to do it, and he didn't do that. Uh, and that was one heartbreaking loss it reminded me of. Then... Fumbling the ball in your own end zone when you literally just have to handle a snap and not lose yards. You don't even have to gain anything. Just handle the snap and get to the line. And even if you don't get to the line and you surrender two points, it's not the end of the world. The only thing you can do wrong is fumble the snap in the end zone and lose it, which brought me back to the Bills-Jets famous Turk Schonert game when they called a, a completely ridiculous, not in hindsight ridiculous, but the time seemingly ridiculous uh, rollout by JP who fumbled and then the Jets ran it back. So that was that heartbreaking loss there. And it was also reminiscent to me of the game against Dallas where they gave up the onside kick and the fumbling aspect reminded me of the Monday night game against the Patriots. All of this is rolled into one game and then the overtime even more. Thanks, so. Paul. That was really, that was a really fun trip down memory yeah. lane. Let's just get, I'm just getting it all out now because uh, I don't want to talk about this game at all after this week ever again. Um <laughs> So, and then the other, you know, thing that sticks out is, of course, the interception when the Bills were in position to, at the very least, uh, tie the game. The number of unforced errors we've seen from Josh recently, and Frank had brought up uh, some points like these these might not be on Josh. I agree. There's certainly some of them absolutely may not be on Josh. Maybe Davis runs his pattern too deep on some of these. Uh, maybe, you know, McKenzie runs the wrong pattern. Maybe someone misses a block. Uh but when this has happened with such recurring frequency over the past two and a half games, some of those are on Josh, yep. and it's a problem. And it doesn't make me think, like, he's spent, he's no longer a franchise QB. I think quarterbacks can go through these things sometimes. But in the perspective of a season where it's probably your best chance with the talent you have on the roster that you can afford before Josh's, ta uh, Josh's price tag goes up next year, like, now you're in that position again where all of a sudden you're the, you're what, the sixth seed in the AFC when a win would have kept you as the one seed. Now you're battling up. It's still just like last year, battling uphill against uh, Kansas City and Tennessee, uh, even though you've beaten them being higher seeds and trying to battle your way up back into the division race uh, and having some tough battles in which to do that. And that was the thing that really concerned me about the game and frustrated me about the game is the fact that we were seeing the same mistakes from Josh and the fact that this was a game that really gave them a chance to put themselves in a much more ideal position and again, we see them just uh, blow it. And it's it does not dampen my uh, thoughts that they're going to be a playoff team. I certainly think they will. It scares me a bit on the divisional front, and it definitely scares me on the path to the promised land front, which was, of course, the goal coming into the season. And it's kind of a spoiled position that we're all in. 
that, you know, all of a sudden with our maybe next year pod, which used to almost kind of refer to like getting into the playoffs next year. Now we take that as a given uh, because we have the highest standard there is with our expectations of this team. And so they, they were not being met. Um, I feel like given the high level view, maybe Scott can give more of a high level view. Maybe he can dive into the minutia, but I feel I've, I've said my piece largely on, on this <clears> game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I kind of, you know, it, it was, it was tough. Cause I had, I had, we had just, we like, uh, we were coming back from Amsterdam this weekend. We had a nice weekend there and uh, four trains and planes later or four trains later, I get back to the house here and I'm watching the game unfold and I get there right in, in about the third quarter as the bills are kicking the field goal to go up by 17 and being like, okay, well, that's a three score. That's a three score margin in the three quarter. This game is pretty much in the back. Like it's not zero chance we're going to lose, but, um, but this is, this game is, is pretty much well in hand. And then I, I will, I, I mean, some of the, the, the defenses, the defense, is 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 a bit of a problem because I'm not sure how much better it will get. That's the concern I have with the defense. It's not so much that they're not being played well, that they're not executing as best as they can, um, that Frazier's not putting them in the position. Jefferson is is was covered on on most of the plays that he made. Like that's the reason why that was an incredible catch is because it was really good coverage from Cam Lewis, and he was covered on two or three of the other touchdowns that he caught in that game um, and big plays. And and they were just incredible things. So it's not like it's not like you can blame uh, Benford and Cam Lewis and Dane Jackson for for not like holding their own against Justin Jefferson. They're not they're not exposed to. They're not they're not they're not expected to. Um, even, it's I not feel, great. I feel like both of you have undersold how great that catch is too. It's just oh phenomenal. All one handed yeah. falling away. Like he controls eh. it an inch from the ground with one hand. It's, eh. Yeah. Eh. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I don't I care. Didn't. I just no. It's it's a fine catch. Like to me, like the Diggs catch was just <laughs> as good. Honestly, I think so. Like I don't. I don't really care what anyone else says. Like to me, like I get that. Like it's it shows incredible resilience by Jefferson to stick with the play, play through the whistle. That is a hundred percent why he got that. Um, to me, it was a ter- not a terrible play by Lewis. I obviously understand what he's doing. He's trying to pick it off, trying to make a big play. It was fourth down, not needed. Um. <laughs> Uh, and 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 to be fair, it's a bit of a DB thing. Of I want picks. That's how I get my contract. I don't know if that was what he was thinking either. He's probably thinking when he come in, like I got this all day. Not Justin Jefferson's coming at this. I just got to get out of here with this. He had a better angle on it. And to me, Lewis bringing the ball down to the ground with him actually ends up aiding Jefferson make the catch. Because if he hadn't, then it would have. I'm not sure Jefferson would have been able to to, to do it. But right. whatever. Um, so the defense, you know, taking bad angles on the cook touchdown, um, you know, um, that, that was something the pass rush, not, you know, working okay. in, in the first half inconsistent in general in the second half. Um, but, but in general, I agree with Paul, the defense, not, not a huge, um, killer in this for us, for me, um, the offense, I don't want to put it all on out. Because everyone on the offense played like crap, pretty much the fourth quarter, except maybe Diggs, um, Singletary with a fumble, huge, huge fumble, killer fumble, in field goal range fumble, where that would have really probably put it much further out of the thing if the Bills had had gone for a field goal. They may not have. I could see the Bills trying to keep going depending on what they had done on that play. Um, the the offensive line after keeping Allen clean for most of the first half and third quarter suddenly seem uh, even in the third quarter started to suddenly fall apart yeah. to where we've got holding calls and false starts and things, people jump in and Allen getting sacked three sacks by the Vikings. And I think in the second half um, that that's, that's, that's another reason that you lose a game that you're up 17 five. Um, you know, uh, some of it is definitely on Dorsey and the play calling. Um, I think, there was a lot. Of, I thought there was some good spreading around of the ball in the first half um, with Knox and Davis and McKenzie getting more involved. McKenzie being used more on Jets. McKenzie, McKenzie catching the ball. Yeah, that, was too. <laughs> that was nice of him. Yeah. Um, it seemed like in the in the second half and in the third third and fourth quarters that that became less focused of the offense. I don't know if that was 
Dorsey. I don't know if that was Allen getting lock-sided, um, four-sided on digs um, and him getting his head again. Um, from my perspective, that's, and then, so yeah, and then you get to Allen and it's just like, you know, yeah, it's tough to, I, I don't want to get down on him too much because I think he's still a great player. I think the Vikings, again, this is like Friday, Scott, you know, five, six days later, you know, the, the Bills, <laughs> the Bills are, you're not going to win every game you play against really good teams, even if you are a really great team or the best team in the league. Um, and the Bills have won some games against good teams this year. And they haven't been like blow. Some of them were, were closer to blowouts than others, but it wasn't a, um, but you know, you're going to lose some of those too. Um, but I, I will say like, he can't, he can't, can't, make some of these mistakes that he's making and be considered and, and be, be the quarterback that this team needs him to be like all, all teams need their quarterbacks to play well. Mm -hmm. And he played, he played great for the first three quarters of this game. And then he played like garbage and the team lost. And that's what happened. Like if your quarterback plays like garbage in the fourth quarter against a good team, there's a decent chance you're going to lose that game. Even if you spot, even if you're up 10 or 17 points, and that's what happened. And and he gets credit for keeping a minute. Um, obviously, a very helpful um, no review on a Gabe Davis catch. That was <laughs> not really a Gabe Davis catch. But, but I mean, Allen, I am sure, takes this worse than any of us. Um, it's very clear that he does. The, the, the challenge is not I – don't, I don't – it doesn't matter whether or not he feels bad or he takes bad. What matters is what do you do next? How do you fix it? He hasn't fixed it yet. He did this. We had the same just fucking discussion in the Jets game on some level. Now we're having the same goddamn discussion now. And it's just, we can't, like, against the Browns this week, it may not matter. But if we're going to go and uh, play in New England in a couple weeks, or home versus the Jets and the Dolphins with the division on the line, if it happens again, we're going to lose those games. And then we're going to be fighting uphill through the playoffs. The other thing that really kills me is that this team needs, like, I don't want to say this team needs. It would have been really great for this team to get to the to get to December at ten or eleven and two or ten or eleven and one, and um, being able to clinch things early. And Poyer gets to rest, Trey White gets to rest, Edmonds and Milano get to rest. All those guys get to rest because they are they are clearly banged up, and we're seeing it this week with Cleveland, where we're going to be a mash crew on defense yet again. Rousseau's hurt, banged up. All those guys now have to keep playing because we can't put the division away. And that is another that is another way that things end up not working well for you in the playoffs is too many guys are dinged up and can't go. Um, and it's just, um, you know, again, like, I don't want it, to, it's not over. I'm not saying it's over. But in the version of history where this doesn't work out for the Bills six months from now, like, th these are some of the reasons that we start seeing to, to, to come up. Okay. Yeah, I you guys have been eminently fair. I think that some of what I wanted to, to bring up, um, when I think about interceptions and not all interceptions being equal, not all turnovers are equal, and I know there was some some stuff about luck that I had said. I think that what I think about is, you know, there's a luck involved in, you know, you have a bad snap, which is ob at, at the goal line. Obviously, you can't have that there, but... Kirk Cousins gets stepped on by his lineman twice during that game. You know, if that happens backed up, it, it, it's 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 almost like as unlikely those things happening. You know what I'm saying? So when I when I think about luck playing it's a role in a in a close game, that's what I think about is like, well, he got stepped on by his lineman at the 35 or whatever twice. You know, it wasn't a a, a bad exchange at a at the goal line, which Again, like there's obviously skill and concentration involved, but also, you know, like those things on on a long enough timeline that that's happened to every quarterback more than once, even the really best ones. You know, it just sort of happened at at like the worst possible place. Uh, and the same with the the first interception in the end zone. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson gets both of them. I think about that first interception, and I know there's some anger about Allen trying to do hero ball and stuff like that. But that's a context interception to me because it's fourth and two. 
They've already decided they're going for it. They He's already rolled out of the pocket like there is a chase on. He's obviously not shy about putting his shoulder down and trying to go in. He looks to go to run in, and he can't. So him trying to force that ball and Peterson taking that one, I mean, it's not great that he runs it out of the end zone to the 37, but the die is already cast for me on that play. So, like, the person who wants to kind of parse this stuff a bit more than one interception and two touchdowns, and he's thrown six interceptions in the last three games. It's like, yes, and not all interceptions are created equal, and he's also scored, you know, I think seven total, five or six touchdowns total over the games, either passing or running, and for everything that he has done to take us out of the last two games, um, he's also kind of the guy who's been the reason you're in the game, you know? Like, he... The, the Ken Dorsey passing on on that last drive kind of before the goal line end up like the three passes, that's sort of very frustrating in the in the sweep of the game. In the the four-minute drill where the right. first three one was a swing a pass a single right. swing pass a singletary, then a false false start by Diggs, right. then a, a, a slant, and then a and then basically a Hail Mary third and fifteen. Right, and it's kind of obviously the false start is is part of that. It probably works out in their favor because they might not have enough time if they like they end up fumbling on the end. If everything else plays out the same, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe, who knows? It, maybe yeah. they end up liking that forty seconds. But obviously, you're trying to just run the game out there, and they don't. Um, the second interception was was funny. Again, I'm going to blame Allen. Allen has to see the guy underneath that's open. But Peterson went out. It was a great thing that I retweeted uh, for as long as Twitter continues to exist, everybody. Um, Patrick Peterson talked about eyeing Gabe Gabe Davis. And when Gabe Davis does X thing, he knows that he's going to run this type of route. And apparently he had told – he said, you can ask Trey White. I told Trey White stand on the sideline. I'm going to get this. And definitely just read exactly what Davis was doing and decided to put him – that's why he's a multiple all-pro uh, cornerback Patrick Peterson. So, you know, the other guys get played to play, you know, play games too. That said, you know, Allen has to have the awareness at that time and, and, and McDermott or somebody needs to get in his ear and say, don't force it because you want to live to fight another down, especially when there's only a minute and a half left. It's got to, it can't be in his blood to remember that a tie is better than a loss in this instance. But you have to be aware of it. And if he's not going to be aware of it by himself, he needs to be reminded of that directly before you're, you're coming out of a timeout or the two minute warning. Like, Hey, you know, we're trying to score here, but you know, keep that field goal in the pocket because we're down here and we're in that, we're in that spot. Um, I briefly pulled up his numbers from 2021 uh, through nine games, 200, you know, he was 66.3%, 19 touchdowns and six interceptions with 260 yards on the ground um, and 300, or sorry, 2,602 yards passing, 322 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. So he's up rushing. He's up 150 yards. He's 476 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, obviously doing a lot more of the running this year. Um, the Up on yards, 27-33 versus 2,600. The 10 interceptions to six, 20 touchdowns passing to 19, and sixty four and a half percent to sixty six point three percent. So I, I I think that like he's in the ballpark of Josh Allen, right? Like the, he's not wildly off compared to last year. So the the calls for bad Josh versus good Josh and all that. Like I I think he's kind of about the same. You know they they were six and three this time last year. Um, I did also do a a sweep of the last couple of uh, Super Bowl and. Uh, championship game participating teams and all of you know they were all six four five four six and three kind of after this number of games um so you know they're well within pulling themselves together range uh they are well within they they have the entirety of they control their fate they don't need help from anybody else they win the games they need to win and they're going to end up the one seed in the afc you know but Certainly a weirdly emotional game. Let us put this game to bed. Let us three stars it and perhaps never speak of it again. 
do you still hear me? Am I still? I can hear you. Yep. You can hear you. Your mic looks like it's on. There's Life a red dot. Right yep, now. you're you're all set. Which is just means he's okay. recording. There's not a, uh, and doesn't mean anything there's else. No, there's no laser sights on me. Nope. Yep. Um, I will I will say one one thing Please. one stat that did concern me as long as we're in stat stat thing. Um, someone put a stat out there. I think it was Barnwell that said the Bills are the number one uh, offense on expected points added between the 20s and they are fifth from worst on red zone yeah they they have uh, for the season that's 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 tough it's yep. not that's 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 as much on dorsey to me as it is on allen um yeah. but allen is a big part of that because that's probably why so allen good. is throwing ill-advised passes in the end zone from the yeah, 21 he's, he's like it's either now or never because once we gain <laughs> two yards right we're done <laughs> Got to score now. Like you're seeing some of the talent change. It's you know Davis hasn't stepped up, mm-hmm. and McKenzie has not been the slot receiver, and Jamison Crowder was never on the field, and you know also a running game. I will ad- I will admit that maybe if you had a dynamic running back at that close, that could help. But last year they thrived on the slot pass and the tight end in those situations, and. You know they're not they're not calling those plays and he's not throwing it to those people. Yeah, like, he, I, like this was the game I, that I Davis this Davis yeah. finally got some targets in this game and he did yeah. fine with them. Like he had he was six for ninety three on ten targets and a touchdown. Like well, was it perfect? No, it wasn't. He was he's not digs, but he whatever. It's, you know. Well, but I mean, but it, it's not just Davis, right? It's McKenzie show like yeah, like you said, McKenzie shows up in the first half. Where is he in the second half? Knox has been. Middling at best, yep. you know. I, yeah, I agree. It's, not, I, it, I, it's underperform. Like we talked about last week, the underperformance of the secondary and tertiary guys hurts. We talked about at the beginning of the season, the glut of receiving talent on this team. There are four active receivers on the roster right now: Diggs, yeah. Davis, McKenzie, and Shakir. Uh, Hodgins is in New York. Coomrow's uh, on IR. Crowder's on IR. So suddenly. I, and like you said, uh, Frank Knox has been middling at best. He's certainly not living up to the contract they signed him to. And yes, he had a shit, he had a hell of a personal a blow at the beginning season. of the season. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm not saying that is like he has no excuse. I'm just saying factually, he's not playing like he was last year. Right. I, I to me to me this is still a bit on on Dorsey in terms of the coordination. Sure. Like, I don't see us. I don't see us scheming them open and getting them into the game plan the way that they both did. And so okay. it's to me, that's, that's part of this as well. I mean, yes, well, I've seen McKenzie drop enough passes this year for that to be a thing, but I can't say that I've seen like Gabe Davis have like crap games where he, he, he gets three catches on 10 targets. It's just that he gets three targets a game. I'm like, what do you want him to do? Right. Um, okay. All right. Um, yeah. The, the stars were not super easy this week. Um, you know, it was nice seeing, Milano back in the game. I'll give him an honorable mention. Um, I think he was he was playing, and you could see the run defense improve with him in there. Um, you know, Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook, another you want to give him an honorable mention as well. Obviously, a big um, you know a, a play that kept the Vikings in the game. You know, and that's us. You know, did not have his best game if he doesn't get that one eighty-one yard touchdown, which mm-hmm. they still count those. Um, you know, mostly kept in the bottle by the Bills defense. Um, he ended up with 14 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think Milano and Edmonds, again, p- played pretty well in the run defense the whole game other than that one play, and Cook's a, Cook's a superstar and an all-pro, and he gets those – you give him those those cracks and you don't have the secondary guys there to, to fix it, um, that's – bad things happen, and that's that's another way that you things start slipping away. Um so those are your those are we'll just do those for honorable mentions. Um, I, I have to give the third star to Cousins, um, just because I don't know what defender really deserved a star in a game when, when there was a lot of, um, you know, a couple plays made here and there, but no one was really consistently lining it up. I felt like, um, you know, Harrison Smith. I will say, like to me, he made a really good. That was one that you could argue for maybe. Um, he had six tackles um, and a deflection. It was a really critical one on, I think it was a third down in the fourth quarter where he broke up a pass that Diggs had his hands on, um, but Smith was there and it was bang bang play and he broke it up and tackled him, um, and 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 Diggs couldn't bring it in. Mm-hmm. The Bills never made that play against Jefferson right. to to deny 
the Vikings uh, the, the 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 conversion that would have given the Bills possession back and let them run off more clock. Um, so anyway, Cousins gets the third star, 30 for 50, 357 yards, a touchdown, um, two interceptions, four sacks, not a great QBR, not a great quarterback rating. But in the fourth quarter and in overtime, he made the plays that he needed to, for the most part, to let them win the game. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. He didn't – yes, he made, you know, one ball sailed on him, and he had one space cadet throw – to I think it was Benford where like like he just looked like he was confused and thought I think it was Dane Jackson to, and he absolutely thought yeah. that that guy was a, a Viking. Yep. Yeah. No, he, he just thought that he just thought he was playing for the Bills for a second, which you know, great. Um, but but you know, whatever. Um, yeah, he's the winning quarterback. He gets he gets a fair bit of credit that his mm-hmm. he made his mistakes early on when they still had time to recover. Um, not that second star goes to Diggs. Uh, 12 catches, 128 yards, a ridiculous. I still think that's one of the best throws I've ever seen. Um, in yep. terms and in, in, in terms of catches of catching a Josh Allen rocket on fourth down that is you know nine feet in the air, um, with one hand. Yeah, um, I, I said he looked like that, a basketball center catching a lob. Only it was a Josh Allen, probably nearly 100 mile an hour throw. <laughs> yeah, no, just um, completely ridiculous um and great performance obviously abusing a lot of um good 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 def- uh, well not great defenders okay defenders uh on the vikings um and then some some not so good defenders but obviously did come up short on that one one catch uh Smith broke up and then obviously first star goes to jefferson who you know, clearly was the difference in the game if, if he is not playing for the vikings there's no way that they're going to win this game he obviously is a great player um you know obviously we're happy with Diggs. We like Diggs. Jefferson, obviously, going to be a great player for a long time in the league. 10 catches, 193 yards, and a touchdown on 16 targets. Um, you know, really, there was just no no answer. Um, whoever we put on him didn't seem like it had. They just, again, they we're not supposed to, um, you know, would have been nice to see one of those guys step up. Sure. But, like, if you're designing this team from the outset of the season and you have those those three guys or your guys trying to shut down Jordan Jefferson like you got to be like well this season didn't go to plan and you know we'll we'll do what we can we'll have to outscore them because we're probably not going to be able to show them, slow them down enough and um, we almost did we almost did we almost did slow them down enough but uh fun end zone fumble couple bad uh one bad interception one one uh not helpful interception and uh, there you go. That's the game. Ugh. And if only that was the only bad thing coming out of the game. I think the good thing is Josh Allen played through that game, and I don't think anyone watched anything. And he, they certainly confirmed for themselves. And the for us, you know, his elbow didn't impact his play. I, I don't think anyone thought he was wildly inaccurate or looking like he couldn't throw the football. He certainly seemed capable of that. So it looks like we're going to be able to play through whatever this injury is. He's limited throughout the week, but we lost Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, he's out with a groin on Sunday. Uh, he's already listed as out. Also listed as out, Jake Kumaral, who's not just out. He's done with. He is on the IR for the rest of the year. Uh, and Greg Rousseau out with an ankle injury. He will not play Sunday against the Browns. Uh, Trey White also not playing again. He has no designation uh, for injury. He was not limited in practice, that means, and he's not ready to play, which I'm starting to really wonder what that means. You and there you and some, all of us, Frank. Like, why was he about... taken off? The, they could have left him on the PUP as long as they wanted to. Yeah. And, you know. And that would have been a great roster have... spot right now for yep. – Another. Could they have left it on? I thought you had to. I thought you had to pull people off the off the pup roster, or put them on IR. No, I think you have to stay on it a minimum of six weeks, but I don't think there's a maximum because like Bucker is still on the pup. Yeah, there's no. That used to be the rule, Scott. They changed it. The only thing was once you, once you pulled him off the list, you had to put him on the roster or put him on IR or cut him within three weeks. Like that was the 21 day window, and so everyone thought. Oh, okay. Well, he'll have to be ready for the the Packers game at the latest or whatever it was. Um, and 
unless unless the only thing that's happening is like they need he's not mentally right yeah which I do, that's the understand. speculation that I, again it's twitter speculation which we'll miss once twitter is dead um, right but yeah there are a lot of people saying like maybe he's well, he's not maybe he's not cutting like he normally can maybe there's a lot of stuff going on in his head that he's just not able to get it because it is now a calendar year yeah i it, and it's just be, it's only because they pulled him off the list that it's confusing because if he was mm -hmm. still on the list we would just say he's physically injured but he's not we know he's not maybe if you're Maybe there's just a level of like, okay, the only way to really get him ready is to get him back into practice with the guys and running these at least these reps. You know, he's not going to get any better just sitting there. Um, but I don't know. It's it's weird. Anyway, he's he's not playing. Um, and then to round out, Paul. The... Yes. Paul, my the thing I am looking at says that after the first four weeks of the season, teams have the ability to utilize the 21 day window where a player on the list can practice the team has till the end of that widow to either activate move them to ir or release mm -hmm. them. all right i am literally i've i it's four weeks but you didn't have foremost they didn't have to activate him was what we're saying yeah he could no, just i think that's there. the thing no i don't right. think i don't think that is the case i think the window goes to 21 days and then he must be activated released or put on ir I thought because otherwise, what would be the point of putting someone on weeks, IR? I the way I understood it was four weeks was the earliest you could quote unquote activate him for the twenty one days. Yes, but the twenty one days didn't start after four weeks. It started whenever they said he's activated. No, I don't think that's it. I All think right, it's I four. I think it's four weeks and then I, three more. Reading otherwise, the they wouldn't have done right it this now. Way. And I'm reading it without knowing in advance, so it's going to be fun to see what the answer is. All right, let me finish out. You read yes. it, and let me finish out the, the report here so we're not all just reading it together in three different ways. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kair, Kair Elam, um, Reggie Gilliam were both questionable. Um, Gilliam had an illness. He was did not practice full and then limited, but he's listed as questionable. Yeah, apparently somebody didn't take the flu shot, by the way, at, at One Bill's Drive because about, about – Four or five people were, were sick, and on Wednesday they had to run individual drills, not an actual practice. And our other questionable person is Jordan Poyer, but he went limited, limited, full in practice. So I'm hopeful that Poyer comes back because as Paul and I were talking on the chat, on the Slack chat, um, that could change their approach to the Browns, and we'll have to kind of get into that a bit more. But again, thin and thin on the line and up the middle once again, which um, – that's where against the against, the against the Browns is the one place who, you don't want to be thin. <laughs> who run hard, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, fix the problem with the Bills, but we'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, briefly, we're at our third quarter preview, and for those of you listening, which is the dumbest thing to say. Cause right, I, if you're I, not listening, how are you – Precisely. Um, how are you Precisely. absorbing this information? And please tell us if we are smart enough to understand we might be too simple a being. No, you know what? I'm, I'm going to change this. I'm Paul, you're right. Yeah. It is time for the third quarter. But we're going to preview the Browns and Lions game this week, be, both of the games, because we don't want to record next week during Thanksgiving, um, which then leaves six games. And so we, by rights, should talk about Patriots-Jets. But – I think, naturally speaking, those next those three games, Patriots, Jets, Dolphins, that's the season, right? Like that is, yeah. that's the course of the season is those three games more or less. You still have Bears, Bengals, and one more against the Patriots, but I think it's better if we, instead of doing it our natural or usual way, we talk about these two games when we come back to review the Browns game and the Lions game after Thanksgiving, we'll talk about where the Bills stand, what those three games mean, and then we can do three games and then the last three games because I think I don't I would rather talk about those three games more at length than I'm prepared to do today. I think that they're just I think they're the crux of the season now, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so we're gonna we're gonna do so I'm not gonna do a third quarter preview. So I will go to um mny bills Paul, do you have the rule what's that oh the answer yes well frank is going twitter yes do we have it's an unclear answer? because it says um teams must decide by the okay i won't give that part 
players placed on this list at that time must miss at least the team's first four games down from six in seasons prior to 2022. Unlike in the past, players can be activated immediately after such time has elapsed. Any player who is designated reserve PUP on or after rosters are reduced to 80 uh, will also be subject to the same four-game absence. But it doesn't say when it says... Um, uh, the key for me here is like players placed on the list at that time must miss at least the team's first four games. Right. And I feel by the term at least. at least means they can stay out on that list as long as possible, like Ike Butker has um, during the entirety of this season. But they're still talking about Ike Butker possibly being available come December because he suffered a setback and now he's recovering from that. Uh, and they was at McDermott was asked last week about it and said, yeah, it's, it's plausible he'll be back next month. So yeah. we'll see. I think that's my interpretation of the rule, but you're obviously reading a different <clears throat> source, and uh, you know, but we'll we'll find the out. But is, either way, we're still all pissed that Trey White is not on the field yet. Pissed on his behalf too, because yes. I'm sure he would like to play. I'm sure this is not like he's mad about playing or something or or, or not trying. We just we would love for him to play, and I'm sure he would too. Yeah. Um. Okay. So El Super on Twitter, uh, while we have it. Was the most heartbreaking loss? Was that the most heartbreaking loss in the last twenty years? Clearly, thirteen seconds had more at stake, but just as a game considered on its own merits, um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, the I, fact that there are other contenders is ridiculous, but there are certainly yeah, other contenders. I think it easily moves into the into the Mount Rushmore of the last twenty years. I think that you have thirteen seconds in this game. I think. I don't know. Onside kick against yeah, I've mentioned a couple. You had the onside kick game against the yeah. Cowboys where they were up late. Yeah. And then Jabari Greer defended a TO two-point conversion where, like, the Bills win. And then they gave him an onside kick and a 50-some-yard field goal. I had, to go, I had to step upstairs while you were doing that. I am sure oh. you mentioned um, as, as long as they don't fumble against the Jets that game. Yep, yep. I mentioned okay. that game. I did mention that game as long as they don't fumble. And then Lostman fumbled. That was, yep. that was on there. I mentioned the... A uh, long forgotten one because I think 02 or 03, but the Jaguars game where they converted like a fourth and 18 on Clements, not knocking down the ball, oh, yeah. and then scored a touchdown on the as the game ended on the last play. The Monday night fumble against the Patriots, uh, McKelvin on the uh, way out of the end zone. I feel like there are other Patriots games that I've probably just not put on top of my head either that would qualify to. I think too. the Patriots games fall into you shouldn't have believed it anyway. Yes. So, you know, our that, own fault for you that. You brought up that Jaguars game, the one with with Leftwich, yeah. um and them losing on the last play. That that's the last time as that as I was upset, like that I was that upset. That is probably and that's right on the outskirts of 20 20 years. Like that's that's almost exactly 20 years. It's probably about 17 years ago. Um that game that's as a this Vikings game was the first time I was that upset about a game since then. And that game, I I might have told you this. I I drunkenly got out of McFadden's in Foggy Bottom, and I had walked most of the way to Potomac, Maryland before I had sobered up and calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that don't know, there's not actually a sidewalk at one point. I just started walking along the side of the road. <laughs> so, wow. And, but I'm glad yeah. you've lived to tell about that. We yes. never would have started this pod. If yes, that, yeah. uh, a, a girl I am now long broken up with, thankfully, came and got me and brought me back to my apartment. And I apologize profusely for my ridiculousness, but she was, she was great in that moment. And 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 uh, I had discussed today because my wife is turning uh, a, a birthday tomorrow. She have a birthday tomorrow. Um, I would not have met my wife if I had not dated her. So there you uh, go. So she gets to be still thumbs up overall in the book. Um, Steven says, my barber told me he went to high school with Sean McDermott, and that's been about the best news the Bills about the Bills I've had in the last two weeks. And I think that is accurate and fair. And that no is the Twitter questions. For as long as Twitter continues to exist, we are MNY Bills. Um, that's all I got there. Uh, don't look for a blue check mark. Which is... <laughs> Um, yes. We'll pay the eight dollars oh, for it if that comes back. Though I don't. Defensive think tackle Christian Barrymore on IR and now out four more games, so he's he will miss the game against the Bills yeah. in, for the uh, Pats, the right. Patriots game. Yes. So that every I will say every little bit helps at this point. Um, so Twitter questions. 
this do day in Bill's headlines? Yeah, let's do it. We have a whopping yeah. four this week in anticipation yes. of this being a a longer pod. That we've we've done a good job keeping it uh, at a realistic pace. So we'll I'll drag this out as long as possible. <laughs> so today is November 18th of 2022. We're going to go back two years to start here with uh, November 18th, 2020. Blank ranks atop NFL in impressive advanced statistic. Uh, with the way he's producing his age 31 season in Buffalo, his ninth is an NFL receiver and second is a member of the Bills. He's sure playing like a guy who should be ranked among the very elite tier. His traditional stats don't exactly reveal that to be the case. He ranks very solid 13th in receptions, 17th in yards, and has just three touchdowns. But looking at some of the NFL's more advanced stats might surprise you. Beasley? Cole Beasley, all right. Hey. Onward we go to Advanced two. stats, not advanced science. Cole yes, that's... That could be the name of our pod. Uh, <laughs> Cole, we we don't miss you. Um, all right. 2000, actually, we do miss you. Please come I, back and yes. play slot receiver. Um, 2009. Blank makes impression on first day as Bill's coach. Blank made the decision to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick over Trent Edwards, uh, which was announced shortly after the team's practice Wednesday as the 3-6 and six Bills prepared to play the 5-4 and four Jaguars this weekend. Prior to joining Jerron's staff, Blank was defensive backs coach in Chicago in 2005, a secondary coach in St. Louis in 03 and 04, and in Jacksonville from 98 to 02. Is this a midseason replacement for Jerron, though? That would be correct. Oh, it's, um, oh, damn it, damn it, damn it. I can see him. He was, he was actually the first black head coach in bill's history he was yes very oh, good what's his name oh I, now i feel extra bad that i because i liked him and then obviously he was done yeah you're gonna have to give me his name but i remember <laughs> that it was kind of a cool moment uh he has a very similar name i would say to the lead singer of james jane's addiction perry oh perry fuel perry fuel there, there we go yeah. all right 2001 good hands keep attention on blank he has led the team and receive he has led his team in receiving seven times in the last nine years and leads Buffalo in this, his first season with the Bills. What year what year is it again? Two thousand one. I think it was first of maybe two or three seasons with the Bills. So Peerless Price? Molds. Not Peerless Price. Alright, no. I'm gonna give the, the hint I was with avoiding. Molds and the, price. What's that, Scott? He's with Molds and Price, right? Right, but I'm going to give a hint here that's going to be, you're going to be like, oh, well, it's this guy. So here we go. In fact, he leads all NFL running backs with 47 catches. He has also caught a pass in 128 consecutive games, the third longest active streak in the NFL behind Jerry this, Rice and Tim Brown. Travis this is Larry Centers then, right? No, no this is, what, what's that, Sam. Scott? Was it centers? Centers. There we go. Larry, Larry centers. centers. I was going to start going through the. <laughs> yes. It's like, hey, Morris, Bryson, Linton. No, we don't have to go <laughs> down that list. Uh, yep. Larry Centers. Uh, that that third longest active streak. It's funny. The Bills would end Jerry Rice's streak right. in a game when he was the Raiders. And then three games later, they forgot to throw a pass to Larry Centers. And Larry Centers' streak thus ended. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was fun. All right. Last one. Going way back to 1993, which is scarily 29 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, when Frank's wife was only a certain age, which I will not mention yes. uh, at that point. Um, Colts band to strike up a familiar team will play Sunday at Colts for first time since move. So here we go. The Baltimore Colts band will take a nostalgic journey on Sunday. For the first time since the Colts left Baltimore in 1984, the disenfranchised marching unit will appear on the same field with the team. The not-so-joyful reunion will take place at Buffalo's Rich Stadium during the Bills-Colts game in a halftime performance titled Circus of Clowns. The band will show it hasn't lost its touch after all these years. The opening number will be Pagliacci, an Italian opera piece about a sad clown. The second number will be Send in the Clowns. And Indianapolis spokesman said yesterday Colts owner Robert Ursay is expected to attend the game. Jim Ursay, Colts GM, was unavailable to comment. So there was some speculation here that the Bills uh, had chosen this game because of the following reason, have chosen this band. The Bills denied the appearance of the band has any connection to the Colts' off-season signing of Buffalo Bills Pro Bowl tackle Blank. The Colts were able to sign Blank last off-season with a signing sheet offer that guaranteed he would be the highest-paid offensive player on the team. The Bills, with QB Jim Kelly and running back Thurman Thomas, were unwilling to match the offer and lost Blank. 
Is this Will Wolford? It is Will Wolford. Yay, because I knew Ballard had ended up in Seattle, so that yep. didn't make sense. Yep, and Wolford with the Colts. I think right. Wolford then bounced to uh, the Steelers maybe at the end of his career. But, yeah, that was uh, an abbreviated this day in Bill's headlines, and it was a good time to do it because this work week was insane. So November 18th, yes. everyone. Glad we could all have a, a little – give you a little break from your usual uh, – Thank you. You know, you do quite a bit there. So – Right I mean, I now. read the Baltimore Sun today to get that last headline, so that's that's how you know I've done work. <laughs> the last I saw, the Bills' point spread had moved down to seven and a half point favorites. They were nine and a half point favorites against the Browns. Now they're seven and a half point favorites. I don't know if that has been since the move of the game to Detroit. For those of you that don't know, the game will not be played in Buffalo because the snow on the roads and in the city, not so much on the stadium, uh, will be treacherous and terrible, and the league has moved the game to uh, Detroit, which it's funny because lots of people say, oh, sub, uh, something about a, a roof, and I'm like, yeah, but that wouldn't have fixed the problem because the problem was the travel. Anyway, um, they are currently 10-point favorites over the Lions. <laughs> yeah, that they're back where they're, oh, Josh can throw again. So let's make them, right. you know. Yeah, I think that that's a lot of it. And I think that Vegas is certainly betting on the Bills being able to figure it out against the Browns who um, don't have much of a passing attack and the Lions who are kind of just a mess all around. Although the, the Lions, I think, can score. I think the Lions just have like a truly brutal defense. That like, is I, correct. I have lost track of, of them entire, completely, but the Bills will pl be playing on a really weird short week. It'll be interesting to see if they stay in Detroit or if they fly back to Buffalo or That's crazy. Is, like are, is Detroit going to be like, yeah, you can share the field with us uh and that seems unlikely, but how much practice do you do during the the short week? I don't know. I don't think you yeah, do Yeah, especially because like they canceled practice today and they had a Tuesday drill. It wasn't yeah. practice. Right. So, it's a really weird week overall. I'm wondering if honestly to me like, I think at this point they know – I don't think there's any question with regards to the Bills, like, whether they know what they're doing. Right. I think everybody knows what they're doing. It's there's execution problems. And so I'm knocking on wood and playing psychologist and saying, geez, I really hope that what happens is they just get, like, a couple of days where they don't have to practice, and then they're, like, fresh and a little more focused – you know, like Scott talks about him being in his own head. Well, maybe you won't be in your own head if you're not practicing. Maybe you'll just get away for a second and getting off the, you know, having to suddenly switch over to, like, Detroit for this game will break him out of his routine and break everybody out of whatever weird headspace they've been in, and they'll kind of beat up on these two, you know, middling teams. I think if Poyer can play, I think that the Bills might load the box against the Browns and dare them to throw – and just make it really hard for the Browns to run, or as hard as is possible for the Bills to the Browns to run. I mean, the Browns are going to look to do the Jets the and the Dolphins game, control the ball, keep it out of the Bills' hands, keep it close, and try and win one at the end, you know, and try and sort of beat the Bills within a score. And so I think that it's a, a good test for the Bills in that regard. I think it's also a good test for the Bills in the regard that, you know, the Browns and, frankly, the, the Lions aren't capable of necessarily doing that. I really don't even know what to begin to expect with the Lions game. Um, so I don't know. I, but for my part, I'm going to pick the Bills to win both of these games. I think the Bills-Browns game will get ugly. I think it might be like a – I honestly think it might be like a 24-20 a kind of football game. You know, I – I'm kind of going to put that there. The Lions game, I think, might be closer to like 35 to 25, like or 35 to 21. I think that they, I think that they can run the Lions. I think that that will be kind of fun to watch, but we'll have to kind of see. And it, it could depend on how healthy they come out of the Browns game, uh, what happens with the Lions game. But certainly, they have two games right in front of them, and then a big 10-day break before they have to play again. So I'm hopeful. Uh, I can't bring my. I couldn't even bring myself to not pick the Bills in these two games. Maybe Scott or Paul can. Scott, can you bring yourself to to pick the Bills to lose a game here? Um, so for Cleveland, I think the answer is is no. I think Cleveland is 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 bad enough on defense in general. I think they were ranked thirty first on defense. Um, you know, kind of my my earlier comments were instructive in this case of like, 
when you play when you play good teams, um, if you make mistakes at the end that are critical, then there's a good chance you're going to lose. I'm not sure that the Browns are good enough to take advantage of mistakes that the Bills make. I think they have their own. They have a lot of their own problems. They have defense problems. To a certain extent, they have injury um, problems with cornerbacks being out. Um, Newsom's out. Um, you know, other other issues. I, I don't. I'm not terribly concerned about the Browns. I think the Lions do give me a bit more pause, um, just because they they've they have been able to kind of put points on the board. Um, it'll be a Thanksgiving Day game, which is always a bit kind of weird. But they're also a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, three and six. Um, I, I would say if I was going to worry more about one of these games, it is the Lions game, just because it's going to be a weird short week. I, I think I I agree. I hope Frank's right in that this this team can be kind of use this weird week to kind of they've got some other things to worry about other than like boy we lost a really shitty game on sunday i hope we don't do that again um and i hope our our hope our season is not falling apart that kind of stuff they'll have other things to worry about that might be the kind of things that that this team could could use to think about um so with that i i think i'll pick the bills to win them both but boy i would not be surprised at all that they're one and one here um and i i definitely agree with frank's kind of broader points that you know, obviously this this game with the Browns is important because it is an AFC conference game, um, more so than the Lions. But yeah, that the three the three games in uh, in the division coming up in December would be pretty pretty critical for for how the Bills are, are going to go into the playoffs, if at all. At this point. Yeah, the uh, I'll just lead into mine, but the the room to stutter the to stumble now, excuse me, is is gone. Almost <laughs> you, gone. You, yeah, you've used that up the last couple of weeks, so. Both teams of Bills should be, yeah, I, w- I will pick the Bills to win both games as well. Uh, but I'm not, um, you know, immune to the knowledge that the Browns at points this season have played very well, blew out the Bengals. Uh, they've looked good in some of their games, but overall just been very inconsistent. And, and as, as Scott noted, they do have their own problems, and the Bills are a, you know, stronger overall squad. But I am not expecting a a blowout in this game uh, with the issues that the Bills have on defense with injuries and, you know, mm-hmm. just the run defense generally in recent weeks. We're now going to be depending on A.J. Klein coming back to help out on that front because Tyrell Dodson and Terrell Bernard, you know, failed miserably on that front and filling in for, for Edmonds. Um, and with the, the running game with Hunt and with uh, Chubb in there, yeah, it's going to be a little touch and go, I think. Uh, and then same on Thursday. Short week, I would normally say travel. We don't really know if they have to travel for this game or not. Uh, right. They may already be there. They may be there before Detroit is. The concern being, uh, Bills have lost two in a row. Lions have won two in a row. Uh, that sh- the Bills That'll are have to change. Yeah. Before the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, that's a good point. So those those numbers will will switch. Um, but yeah, we'll see how uh, how the Bills you know step up in this game. Uh, the Lions do have a very good offense. The Bills generally have a very good defense. I doubt Trey White will be back for this. I doubt Greg Rousseau will be back yeah. for this game. Um, Edmonds, probably 50-50 at best for that game as well, and, and that's going to pose issues. But the Lions' defense is fairly abysmal. The Bills should put up points, uh, to use Scott's point that he made about the, the Browns game. Uh, they're probably not talented enough to make the Bills pay for all of their mistakes, like the Vikings were uh, this week, like the Jets were the week before. So I think the Bills win, but... Dear Lord, if they come out of this stretch uh, six and five going into the three divisional games, uh, yeah, we got problems. And, and one quick point too, yeah, the, of course the Browns game matters more than the Lions game. That's an NFC team, but Dolphins already beaten the Lions, Jets have already beaten the Lions, and there is if they all split the division division and they all finish three and three against the division or four and two, well, if they finish four yeah. and two against the division, then all then you go to common games and you don't right. want to be the loser in those common games. Yeah. And and with the Jets and Dolphins, you're kind of already now. That's where you, that's what you're hoping for is you got to mm-hmm. split with them and then pass them. You know. Yep. So the good news is they can still do all that. You know, really they're all within a game of each other. So winning the head-to-head game will will do that. But yep, all the know, same number in the loss column right now, which is good because the Bills can deal those teams' losses that give them more losses than the Bills have. So right, still in exactly. control of their own destiny. But again, no room to dick around. Very. The fellowship hangs by a thread, as they say. Um, what else hangs by thread is is our Twitter, MNY Bills. <laughs> this podcast will continue to shoot noises into the universe 
uh, as best we can. Uh, it really looks like we all recorded today, so that's great. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, please tune in. Please have a nice American Thanksgiving holiday next week. Um, for those of you not celebrating, have a nice Thursday. Get a turkey sandwich. It'll be a good for you. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, until next time, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.